Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so delighted you're here with us today. We have a very special guest. Today we have with us Ms. Sharon Brubaker. She is the host of the podcast, Healing Starts with the Heart. She is a grief expert and she is helping people move through the process of grieving with more grace and ease. And so today she's here to tell us her story and how she is helping people who have lost someone and just kind of feel stuck in that grief process. So thank you so much, Sharon, for being here with us today. I'm so excited to have you. Are you kidding me? This is going to be great. This is going to be great. subject. So I'm excited to have you here. I know that your story is very tragic. So tell us a little bit about what happened to you that you decided to help other people move through grief. So in 2006, I was a real estate agent and I was sitting in a real estate open house and my 17 year old daughter called me and she was screaming into the phone and she screamed, mom, mom, it's Austin. And then she lowered her voice and started to cry. And she said, I'm so scared. And the truth is what was going on at that moment. Brittany and all of my nieces and nephews were at the lake with my brother and my brother-in-law. And she was trying to tell me without telling me that she knew it was going to be tragic and that he had in fact drowned. And she just couldn't bring herself to say it. The, The degree of fear that was coming through her voice immediately sent me into a shock and my knees went numb. My knees went weak and I fell to the ground, but I just kept saying, be strong. Don't let her know. Don't let her know. And I just can't kept trying to talk strong. About three hours after that initial phone call, I had to go to my sister's house who was not on the weekend and tell her that they, her son had drowned. Oh my gosh. And as I was walking up the stairs to tell her, this thought went through my head. I don't know anything about grief. I don't know how to grieve, but there was one thing I did know. I knew that there was these bereavement groups that took place in the hospital. And, and in my mind, they were like for old people when their spouses die. And so I started thinking, I'm going to have to fix my sister. She's going to be broken. I got to find a bereavement group. And the truth was everything I was finding out there to help was either misinformation, it was wrong, or the, the absolute truth. There was really nobody talking about grief. It was just a, nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. I think in my stubbornness, I just was like, I'm going to figure this out. And so I just started talking about grief. And, and I mean, just taking in everything that I could find on the subject. Yeah. So you were not able to find any groups. So you... You're sitting here, which I can't even imagine. You take the phone call from your daughter that you know something's wrong, which we've had the same thing happen in my family. That's the worst feeling ever. And then you're trying to find groups. You're wrapping your head around, I'm going to have to support my sister. I need to find these groups. But you're not finding anything that kind of fits what you need. So what did you do next? So, you know, um, Google wasn't even what it is today. Like you could find some stuff on Google because it was in 2006, right? So it wasn't what it was today. So one of the things that just kept popping up was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, Five Stages of Grief. 
And it was what I studied in college and what my sister studied in college. And so we just hung on to it. It was the perfect saying, like, we're going to go through these stages. Here's the deal. I couldn't make the stages into the grief. Like, yes, anger is one of the stages. Depression is one of the stages. It makes sense that you would be depressed. Your child just died. But how does denial fit in? When she told me one day, she goes, I think I'm in denial. I asked her if she was crazy. When somebody said to her, I go, well, you know you died, right? Like, how does denial fit in? I even push even further. And so I went to the library. I went to everywhere I could. I talked to people. And I... Between some finding some life coaches and some different grief programs, I just started pulling out of those things the things that were making sense that absolutely worked. We stumbled upon one educational program and we took it and it was great. And it was from that moment that she and I together decided we got to help people. We have to help people. What do other people do when they're grieving? Think about this. This is what most people do. They go home and they wait for the Eventually, this pain is going to go away and going to go home and wait to feel better. The truth is, you can most likely down that pain and function at somewhat of a normal human being, a human level, be an active person. But eventually, what's going to happen is that pain is going to start gathering all the other pain. And before you know it, you got this ball of just sitting there that's got to be worked out. Yeah, yeah. So you're Googling all of these things and you're you're just finding the generic, like, because I know that's what, when I studied psychology in school, that's what we learned too, were the five stages of grief. So you guys started building your own. I started putting together little bits of pieces here and there from wherever I could find them. And one of the things that I absolutely did was I studied out the five stages. And I really did an in-depth dive into the five stages and here recently debunked the five stages on a TEDx talk. And the fact that Dr. Kubler-Ross invented 13 stages, she didn't invent just five, and they were for her um, uh, interns. So as they were studying with her, the interns would walk into a room and she gave them these stages so they could walk out into the hallway because all of their patients were hospice patients that were dying. And she would walk out into the hallway and ask the interns, what stage are they in? And that's how it came about. They were all studying to be psychiatrists. They all learned. Someone, of the, one of her students, took those stages and took five of them and added them to grief and did all of us in society a huge disservice. Because for years, and even today, I meet clients that tell me what stage they're in or how they're grieving. If you've ever been around someone who is absolutely dying, who has been given a life terminal illness, you will see the stages absolutely play out in them. When my father died in 2014, he went through denial. He went through bargaining. He went through acceptance. I could see the stages absolutely be played out. That's not something I've ever seen in a grieving person. Aspects of it, or depression there, absolutely. But denial that your loved one is gone, there is a feeling of wanting to pretend like they're still here. There is a feeling of wanting this not to be true, but to walk around and act as if the person is still alive. That's not something that I see. Yeah. 
So what do you typically see then? Because we're used to these five stages. What do you see are the stages of grief that people go through? I, I see that there are no stages. I see that this grief is normal. Grief is natural. We are all going to go through multiple grieving experiences throughout our life. Let's just start with there. That's what grief is. Grief is the process that your heart goes through when you experience a loss. So for example, death and divorce are the most popular that everyone talks about as far as a uh, grief goes. But what about uh, being told you need to stay in your house for a year? Yeah. What about your political party not getting picked up? What about moving and leaving all your friends and family behind? What about uh, financial changes, going through a bankruptcy? What about um, being given a a life-altering diagnosis for yourself, a change in health? We know for a fact that there are 45 or more known losses that a person can go through that can cause a grieving experience in their life. Not only that, there's layers to the grief. So when Erica lost Austin, she not only lost Austin, she lost her middle child. Both of her boys were grieving, so she had to deal with that grief as well. She had to go to the school and tell his classmates that he was no longer not going to be coming back. That was a layer of the grief. Not be, Him not being there at Christmas time when they take, took their annual photo picture was a layer of the grief. Grief has multiple layers that we go through, and we experience it throughout. How do you help people? Because it seems like sometimes, and I know this from personal experience, uh, we lost my mom in January and she had a terminal illness and it came on suddenly and she was a healthy, vibrant person her whole life up until that illness. And so there were grief stages throughout the whole illness because there was watching her slowly decline and not being the same go, 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 go person that she was, seeing her turn into like a frail former shell of herself, and then actually the eventual passing. I know that there are certain family members of mine who seem to be stuck in like a a certain stage of, and I know you say there's not stages, but they seem to be stuck in not wanting to process what's happened. Like, They're just stuck in that, like, I'm fine, is what they always say. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I know they're not fine. (laughs) And I know they're not dealing with it, is what's happening. So do you see a lot of people who come to you who may be just stuck in the process and not moving in any direction at all and just kind of acting like it hasn't happened and their life is just the same? Yes. And first, let me say, I can't imagine what it's like to lose your mom. And my heart really goes out to you and your entire family. Um, I'm gonna use my example. So when my dad was diagnosed with his diagnosis, every time he dropped to the new normal, right? So he was able to, for example, walk into the kitchen and have all of his meals. The day he couldn't walk into the kitchen anymore, we dropped to a new normal. Everything we had prior to that was a loss. So that's now a grieving experience. And then we rode that out for a while. And then shortly after that, we had to bring in the hospital bed. Now he's no longer able to sleep in his own bed. We dropped to a new normal. And that everything we had prior to that was a loss. And so what I saw happening was us continually dropping 
to these new normals that we would ride out, but everything we lost in process of that was a grieving experience. When you have someone who, let's say, for example, has Alzheimer's, every time they you, they drop to that new normal, everything before that that they lost is a loss in your heart as well. The day you walk in the room and they don't know who you are and they can't remember your name, that's a huge grieving experience. So yes, that's you kind of have to write it out. And with grievers that have that going on actively, we work with them all along the way, helping them to continue doing their grief work. Most people that I meet, I would say 99% of them are stuck in their grief. Because think about it this way. First of all, no one talks about grief. We didn't have a class called grieving in school. Right. Even in the, as, and, and as little as kindergarten, you could be a griever. You know, you're, the first experience most children will have with grief is the loss of their puppy, mm -hmm. right? And so dog dies. Mom goes, well, you'll be okay. Don't worry, honey. On Saturday, we'll get you a new dog. Yeah. Right? And so we didn't learn how to grieve. And so because we didn't learn how to grieve, most of us get stuck. Here's the deal. Grief sucks. And it sucks big time. The number one thing that the griever has to do is to lean into the grief. You have to lean into the grief. But unless someone tells you that, or they show you how to do it, or they give you the dire directions you're probably going to resist the grief. So you put your hands up and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm not going that way. It's almost like trying to push back the ugly grief monster, right? I'm going to get behind this wall and I'm going to hold this door as hard as I can. And that's what the average person does. They will either resist, they will react either by overreacting, a lot of crying, yelling and screaming all the time, fighting, arguing, or they will avoid. And avoid comes up with, I'm going to put the covers over my head. I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, you know what? Every time I feel some pain, I'm going to go get a glass of wine. I don't want to talk about this. I can't talk about this right now. And just to answer your, the last statement you said, fine, I'm fine. Fine, F-I-N-E. Feelings inside never expressed. Usually when someone is telling you they're fine, they are holding onto those feelings. What do I find about the feelings? I feel like, this was a lot of grievers tell me, if I allow these feelings to show up, I'm gonna die. They're so painful, they're gonna kill me. And the truth is, most emotions won't kill you, but you gotta go through them, meaning you have to experience them, you have to feel them. The, another big point that I wanna bring out is that grief is emotional. Grief is the emotion, the re emotional response to the loss. It's how our heart feels. I love you, mom. I miss you. I love you, dad. I miss you. It's not the intellectual. And typically our brain will tell us things like, if I feel these, if I start allowing these emotions, I'm going to die. I'll never be able to stop crying if I start crying. I'm fine. All of that is intellectual. The very first thing that a griever does is go to their brain. Their brain perceives grief as danger. And when your brain perceives grief as danger, it's going to try and do everything it can to get you away from it. But eventually your heart and your brain are going to catch up and come onto the same page. Yeah, I love that. And I love that feelings inside never express. That's so true. I mean, and we often as a society, we just are taught to say, you know, people tell you, 
buckle up or, you know, just put on a smile or, you know, you'll be okay. And we're told that all the time. And so we do say that we're, we just say, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. Like it's not fine, but it can't for the right. Right. And for, it, say it again. I was just, I said, it, it can be fine. I mean, you can move through it and get to the other side, but we, we can't just ignore it. And I think that's what so many people have been taught to do is just to put a smile on and continue with your life. And unfortunately yeah. that's the wrong, wrong advice to give people. And if I could give you advice about anybody that's saying I'm fine, don't ask them how they're doing. Don't ask the griever how she's doing, he or she. Don't ask them how they're feeling because the truth is they don't know. They probably don't know and they can't articulate it. Instead, I would do something like this. Hey, man, I was thinking about Austin the other day. Remember that time that he ran out into the street with only one shoe on and you and I were laughing so hard? I was thinking about that and I, it really made me happy inside. So I told a story about Austin and I use an emotion. It made me happy inside. And that's it. You're just going to tell the story and you're going to use an emotional word and you're going to leave it at that. Don't say another thing. When you do that two, three, four times, guess what's going to happen? They're going to start sharing their stories as well. They're going to start sharing their funny stories or their memories. And what you're doing is you're getting them to talk about the grief of that loved one without them even knowing that they're going there. And you may also share a sad story or a broken story. You may even cry and it's okay, but don't ask them to share back in return. Eventually what's gonna happen if you keep doing that, one, they're gonna probably think you're weird and two, eventually they're gonna start sharing as well. And it's the best way to break someone who's stuck to get them talking. Yeah. And I like not asking the how you're feeling because I know personally when people would ask me that I wouldn't want to say like, well, it sucks, you know, well, it's the worst, like you don't want to burden anybody else with how you're feeling either. So, and you don't want to bring up all of the negative either. So that's a nice oh. way to, and we've done that a lot when we get together with my mom's friends, we share stories about, you know, things that we've done, things she does. And I know too, cause I've gotten messages from her that they love keeping, that you keep their memory alive too, and that you talk about them and that you mention their names. Like they love that too, because they're still with us just in another form. No, totally with us. I love that you said that because I totally believe that. I believe that we're all connected spiritually. I believe that we walk a journey here together right? So we walked this journey together. Austin and I walked a journey together from the day he was born. About an hour after he was born, I showed up at the hospital. I was helping my sister with the breastfeeding. We were talking, we were enjoying the baby. I went over to her house every day when he came home. I had a relationship with him from the day he was born. And on the day that he died, our journey ended way too soon. You'll hear a lot of people say, well, once you uh, get closure. I hated that word. I hated the word because it sounded like they were saying, close the door and yeah. forget he ever existed. And that's not true. What we need is we complete our journey together. I needed to complete the journey that Austin and I started out together as aunt and nephew. 
And what is completing mean? It means taking a review of that whole relationship, looking at every part of it, the good parts, the sad parts, the bad parts, the heavy parts, and doing a full review. So I, we, one of the things we teach is how to complete a relationship after loss. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that you talk about a journey because it is a journey. Like I personally believe we all signed up to come here together to, you know, play out these parts and play these roles and be in each other's lives. And we will again one day too, and, you know, a different form. So I love the idea of not closing a door and keeping someone's memory alive on a daily basis, because I do feel like I know with my mom, like I do feel like every single day she does something to be like, I'm still here. I'm still with you guys. I love it when we get those. Um, uh, my sister calls them kisses from heaven. When we get those kisses from heaven, you know, when they just say, hey, I'm still here. Remember me? You know, it's just too many things happen that that you cannot explain. And that does not. Why are we still together? I don't know if you know this because I didn't share it yet, but the second part of my story is that 10 years after Austin died, my sister lost her 21-year-old son, Donovan, in a motorcycle accident. And so for the second time, I had to tell her that she had lost a child, but that grief showed up so differently. It's really what showed up how you get stuck. Even someone who knows about grief can be stuck in grief. And through that is where we really started to see a lot of resistance and pushing back on grief. Um, but what I wanted to share connecting to the journey is that I one day I said to my sister, I said, how did you, I wonder, I, I really want to know how you agreed to be the mom, along with Donovan and Austin, that we're going to come here on earth and have this experience. Right. She agreed that they were going to come and she was going to lose them early. Her and her husband. I believe that that happened in, in our spiritual realm and that she took that on. And I believe those journeys were cut short. And now what do I do with my broken heart? And so for Eric and I to be out helping grievers, it is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that, too. I mean, we wonder when we're here, like, why would I choose this? But look at the work that you're doing, you know. I think grief also serves a purpose and like the pain, you can take it and you can either, you know, hold on to it and allow it to make you bitter about life and, and keep you in a dark place, or you can choose to ask, what did I learn from this experience? And one of the things that I have said is that if the grief was so big, that's because the love was so big. And you take that with you and say, you know, okay, I experienced this loss, I could say, well, I had to lose my mom early, but I had that many years of someone who was constantly there. Yes, I agree. The love is, what we're grieving is the love. Even when the tears fall down the front of our face, it's the love. But on the same token, I wanna add this, it can also be the hate. We can also grieve someone that we absolutely hate. I mean, how many times have you met a friend that is getting divorced after 25 years and all she talks about is how much she hates the guy? And of course you're thinking, but you stayed with him for 25 years. Yeah. But on the other hand, that hate and that pain in our heart can also be grieved. We grieve out any emotion that's in there. Yeah, because there are people who grieve because 
I know a lot of people who go on this spiritual journey and go through awakening and enlightenment and they kind of, they move away from people that they were once close to because they don't line up with them anymore energetically. You know, they're like, these people aren't good for me. And so I need to move away or I'm just not in the same place that I was. And so we don't have as much in common. And so there's grief for that too, of losing the friendships or the family relationships that maybe they once had with people. I think that's huge. That is so huge. And it was something that I, we just talked about the other day, as a matter of fact, it's like grieving the person that you once were, right? Especially before you, before you had the awakening, right? You will never be that person again. It is the same thing with you, my friend. You're never going to be the daughter you were that the day before mom was gone, before she left the earth and that, and the daughter you are today is so different. And so, and right in there is a portion, I believe that is the daughter that needs to be grieved as well. It's kind of deep, but you have to think about it. Yes. And going back, because when we change, we evolve, right? We change and evolve. That person that we once were or was, they're they're not there anymore. We need to grieve that. Yeah, it's it's totally true. I said something about this on a podcast episode on my Patreon page that grief makes you a completely different person that process of you know having to go through watching someone you love suffer and then die it's like i couldn't describe that process to anyone if i tried because it's just it's the hardest thing you ever go through and you're not the same when you come out on the other side of that no I will never be the aunt that I was back then. Never. Um, am I living a fulfilling, uh, joy-filled life? Absolutely. But I've done the much needed hard work to get to that point, right? So I've done that work to get to that point. And yes, I agree with you. The other thing that's really important is that we never compare our losses. Like I've shared a little bits and pieces about my dad. Uh, my dad died in 2014 of a terminal cancer, I would never sit here and try to tell you that I know exactly what you're going through. Because the truth is, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what your heart is feeling. I have no idea what emotions are showing up for you. Because your relationship was your relationship with mom. And my relationship was my relationship with dad. Can I tell you that I know what a broken heart feels like? 100%. I know what my broken heart felt like. It was the same thing with Erica and I. So here we are standing at our dad's bedside. We were both losing our father. Yet I was the oldest daughter who took care of business, did all the paperwork, did the doctor's visits. She was the baby girl, the light of his eye, the spoiled little uh, daughter and his favorite. No doubt. We all knew that. As we stood at his bedside, we were both losing a different father. I could not look at Erica and say, I know exactly how you feel. Because the truth is, you don't. And it is the most disrespectful thing you could tell someone if you were to tell them, I know exactly how you feel. The truth is, you don't know. You know what grief feels like, and you know what your heart feels like. And there are aspects I can share about my own personal journey, which may help you with yours. But the truth is, I don't know what your journey is like. Yeah, it's uh, incredible to 
like talk to people who think that they can tell you everything that you're going to go through or try to tell you how to grieve or, you know, we were at my mom's wake and a woman came up and said, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing you're ever going to go through and you're never going to get over this. And I'm thinking, you're supposed to be trying to comfort me. I was like, shut up and go away. Like, get out. Who invited you here? <laughs> uh, my siblings and I just stood there and looked at her like, what is wrong with you? Why would you say that to somebody? Like, I love that you're laughing about that because we still to this day repeat the dumb statements that people said at, yeah. at Austin Donovan's funeral and my dad's. You know, we people, I think, okay, here's what I think happens. I think they want to give you words of wisdom. And so they send stuff to your brain. They say stuff that's for the brain, but not for the heart. What we should be saying is, like, if I'd have walked up to you, Melissa, and I would have said, oh, honey, I have no idea what this feels like for you. Know that I'm here for you. May I give you a hug? That's it. That's all you need to say. Yeah. So, but instead, we want to give these words of wisdom and we say, I know exactly what you're going through. My cat died last month and yeah. I've been grieving day. So now they've compared the loss of their cat to your mom, right? <laughs> and so it's like, Oh, just give me the hug and be quiet. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, it's true. It, you do have to find things to laugh about. And I think that's one of the things that helps with your grief too, is remembering the funny times and the good times. And that not that you can you have to be happy all the time or anything like that. But I do think that there is a lot of value in just remembering the funny times that you had with that loved one and laughing about it and remembering them in that way, I think is really, really helpful too. And it, it helps the, the pain for me. I call it, oh yeah, I call it grieving and living. We grieve, but we still live. So we still have Thanksgiving dinner and we're still mad that we have to go to Thanksgiving dinner and Austin and Donovan are not there, but we still do it. And it's, there's not a moment when we get together as a family that the one, we don't, we're not talking about one or the both of them. And we're laughing about stories about them. And yes, it is true that that laughter is also a healing portion of it. It's a healing part of it. And I don't know about your brothers and sisters, but my brothers and sisters are very sarcastic. And so oh, yes. we can go or mine. <laughs> yes, mine are very much so sarcastic. We need that. You need that moment as part of the healing process. Yeah, I love that. So tell us more about your podcast because you have a whole podcast dedicated to helping people and it's called Healing Starts with the Heart. So tell us about what you're doing on the podcast. So the podcast is Erica, my sister Erica and myself. Um, and we literally are breaking down grief, every aspect of grief. We go into areas that you wouldn't even think grief even existed in. And so we just bring up, and most of the time we see a client who's struggling in one area and we'll do the show about that, you know, grieving, going back to places that you had to go to without them, going to the mall for the first time. How do I get through the holidays? How do I get through Thanksgiving? What am I going to do on their birthday? Like we just bring up different aspects of grief and we're just talking about that. Sometimes we'll have guests on that have gone through our program and they're sharing their experience. Um, but for the most part, we are just literally breaking down grief. We teach women who are grieving from the death due to loss how to grieve. And those are that's the client that we mostly work with. And 
man, what a, a rewarding career to just sit at the feet of a freshman griever and to see the change that happens in them from getting here completely broken to just sitting up straight again or smiling or we see it way before they do like typically around week four, they'll tell a joke or they'll smile or they'll laugh at something we say. So you can see them coming back to life instead of we've met grievers that have had a loss from 30 years ago and they haven't been able to get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love, we love I love that you're doing that work and I want to thank you for that because I know it is so desperately needed and what an honor and legacy you're leaving for your nephews, both of them and your dad by helping other people get through that process because it is not easy and there's no time limit on grief, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is people just need to they need to have compassion for themselves and grace and know that it, it's okay if it's taking you a lot longer than you think it should to get through grief. There's no exp there's no expiration date on grief. You're gonna go there's through it. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna go through it. And so just be kind to yourself. If there's one piece of advice you could give somebody out there maybe who is just freshly in the grieving process, something that they could do right now to maybe ease that pain just a little bit. Is there anything that you could, some words of wisdom you could give them Absolutely. So number one, I agree with you. There's no time limit on grief to me. And I say it like this. It's the action steps that we do within time. So listening to this podcast right now could be an action step for a griever, right? Absolutely. Picking up a book and reading something about grief. Anything that you do within time while you're waiting for this process to pass through you is what you need to do. So for the fraction of griever, I would say this. Set up a spot in your house to grieve. Set up a spot, a little corner in your living room, a little spot in your bedroom. Know that that's the place where you're going to go to process the negative emotions that are showing up. Let everybody in your family know, hey, if you see me sitting over here on this chair, I'm probably going to be grieving. Take in that little corner, you're going to have a box of Kleenex. You may have some pictures of your loved one. You might take your phone with you so you can play some songs of the, that really make you think of that person. Um, have a candle. Set it up however you want it to be. I know some people bring their Bible, whatever you need to have in that spot. And try and go and sit in that spot for as long as you can. And just let that be your grieving corner. And just breathe. You know how a tea kettle sits on a stove and we put the cork in it and we turn that pot on, that steam has to come out, right? The steam has to come out or the pot's gonna blow up. The same thing happens to our heart. We got to let that steam out and the steam is the negative emotions. Sometimes you may cry, sometimes you won't cry and that's okay. Maybe have a book where you can journal about them in that corner, whatever, makes you feel comfortable and just have multiple times a week that you're going there and sitting there and grieving, eventually you're gonna start noticing the more you do it, the less you need to go there. I love that. That's the best advice I would give any griever. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us about grief. I've loved this conversation and I feel a little bit better after talking to you. So that's amazing. If anyone wants to listen to your podcast or maybe they want to work with you or just follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? So SharonBrewBaker.com is the best way to find me for sure. And uh, healing starts with the heart, but even at SharonBrewBaker.com, the podcast will come up and um that's the best way to find me. And we are be honored to meet with anyone, even if you just have a question to ask. Sometimes people just call me and say, how would you handle this? And I can walk you through that. I am going to walk with grievers until the day I leave this earth. I, I want to change the conversation. I love that. Thank you so much for everything you're doing, because I truly feel like you are a light worker and helping the collective which is so amazing your work is so needed so thank you so much for everything that you do and for being here with us today thank you thank you so much what a great show thank you and i want to thank all of you for being here with us today if you are going through the grieving process please do not stay in your grieving alone if you need help please reach out there's so many amazing resources out there but definitely starting with sharon's podcast or reaching out to her I encourage anyone who is stuck or feels like they just need a friend, they need a hand, they need someone, please reach out. Don't stay in that dark place. I'm going to have the link to her podcast and website in the show notes so you can go directly there. I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit. You can join us on Patreon and you can see the video of this recording today and see what a beautiful light Sharon really is. And also you get extra episodes per week, plus the live card readings and live master classes with me each month. I am sending you guys so much love and light. I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.